Hi there, my name's Vin PF from No Nonsense Whiskey and welcome to Dram Slam. This is the whiskey interview show with some great drams and some great guests from across the whiskey industry. Today we've got our first whiskey blogger on the mic, but before we get into that, just a quick reminder that all the episodes of Dram Slam are available on YouTube, but also as a podcast. So just search for Dram Slam on your favourite podcast platform and you can listen to it there rather than watch it if that's what you prefer. I've also got some Dramslam merch. If you're watching on YouTube, you're about to see me wearing that right now. That's available on my Teespring store, as well as some other merch as well. So please do go and check that out. And finally, a massive thank you to all my Patreon subscribers who really do help keep the lights on, so to speak. Links to all these things and others are in the descriptions and show notes below of any of the platforms that you're following on. So please do check down that below to see more information. And if there's anything pops up in the podcast or video, while talking to our guest today, they'll be in the show notes below. So on to today's guest then, we've got, as I said, our first whiskey blogger. We've got Soren on the mic. He's probably best known for his blog, OCD Whiskey. But if you've been to a whiskey festival in the last five years or so, then you've probably had a dram or two from him uh, manning the stands of the likes of Diageo, Boutique Whiskey and Paul John. So Soren, how are you today? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, Vin. Um, busy day, but yeah, looking forward to some whiskey. As always, we've got the Jura 18 first. Um, one thing we like to do on this show when we're talking about um, this kind of Jura is to ask you about your whiskey origin story. So before you started doing things blogging and professionally, what got you into whiskey in the first place? Um, I, I think like a lot of people, um, parentage. Um I don't know a lot about my father. Um, he left when I was very young, but the one thing I do know is he drunk whiskey and there was always a couple of bottles of whiskey in the house. Um, and yeah, like everybody else probably started shotting um, whiskey after drinking lager and things like that. And that, that was the first intro. Um, and then kind of got into drinking it a little bit more seriously when started into my working career um I, I should add that yeah obviously i was legal when i started to drink whiskey um if i think just I think, about yeah i think i think it was about 15 years old when i was younger because obviously going back a lot of years these now um so yeah I, I was shot in whiskey first um and then started to drink whiskies like glenfiddich glenmorangie yeah, fair play. I mean, that's a good way to go. And uh, did you sort of find it? I mean, obviously, you've got like an amazing collection now, as we can see. But um, the uh, do you, did you find that there was like a defining moment where you switched over to the kind of more like dare I say premium stuff, or has it just been a kind of a slow bleed up into that? No, I don't think there was. Um, I think it was more. Uh, like I said, I started with Glenfiddich, um, and I really enjoyed Glenfiddich, and I, st I still do. I still love to go back to the 12-year-old um, and because I think it's one of those whiskies that you never really forget what it should taste like, and it's a good a good way to know whether your palate and, and your senses are working properly because it, it's very consistent. Um, and it, it was always one of those where I started to drink and, and sort of bought the, the more limited editions of the Glenfiddichs and the Glenmorangies, um, and then I kind of got into drinking Ocantoshan, um, and it was just the very cheap supermarket one, which I believe was the select back then. Um, and I, I would drink it in summer with a lot of lemonade. Um, and it, if it hadn't have been for the Ocantoshan, then I probably wouldn't have been drinking whiskey properly. Um, because that, that was what really got me into looking at whiskies and wanting to go and find more Ocantoshan and different Ocantoshans and then drink different ones. But it was never about going into premium whiskies. It was always about supermarket whiskies or just, just what you could easily find, but slightly better versions of them within the supermarket. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that's 100% how I started as well. And I'm really glad you said that about Glenfiddich as well, because it's something I always say, I, I, I always call it a palate resetter. Mm. Um, you know, when you, when you find yourself, you know, I was thinking, like, when you're looking at, like, Darth Mill's a great example. That's just released. Um, you know, when everyone starts going nuts about these these crazy releases, it's great every now and again to sort of burst that bubble and bring yourself back down to earth as a, as a whiskey drinker um, rather than someone who scraps around trying to get hold of these bottles. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, when when I was on the drinking side of going to festivals and that, 
the first whiskey I would always go find was a Glenfiddich 12 because I knew if I couldn't taste that properly, then there was no point looking for whiskies that I wanted to buy. I might as well just drink them. And like well, most of the people at whiskey festivals back then, you know, you, you were there to get drunk. Um, it, it wasn't about the Eureka moments. It was about, well, we paid £15 to get in. Um, unfortunately, we're, you know, and then you learn, you know, you do learn. Um, I'm probably like a lot of people that by the end of the festival, I've not been very well. Um, and, you know, unfortunately for me or fortunately for me, whichever way you want to look at it, I always remember what I've done when I'm drunk. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I can't get away with, oh, I don't remember that or I don't remember that. So, um, you know, finding whiskeys still while you're trying to drink was quite easy for me. Um, but I still always went back to the originals. That's a good thing to say because we're drinking the Jura 18 right now. Um, and for me, this is, um, although getting up there in terms of age statements, but it's, especially on the table today, it's definitely like the lightest one that we've got and probably the lowest ABV as well. Um, I guess you've probably tried this one before, but what do you think of it? I, I think, I mean, I, I have just recently reviewed a Jura and I, like I said on there, I think Jura is a love it or hate it whiskey. And I think they're better now than they were previously since the rebrand and, and the relaunch of the whiskies. Um, I do find them more approachable. The one thing I find about Jura, and I, I don't understand it with the car range, is it always feels very thin. It, it, it's, it doesn't feel as though it's got a lot of body. Now, when you go into independent Juras, they're absolutely fantastic. And I don't know whether it is just purely that ABV level that you just feel as though it just needs that kick up the ass a little bit or whether it really, you know, it, it's what they're looking for. Now, I think talking to, you know, their ambassadors and, and going through the whiskies with them, you get a better appreciation of it. I just feel it always feel it just leaves me feeling like I want something a little bit more. Um, I, I'm never fully satisfied with the core range of Jura, of Jura. Independent bottlings, it's a totally different discussion. Funny enough, I've never actually tried a, an independent Jura. I really must, um, because people say this a lot. Um, and I, and I, mirror, I mirror it entirely. You know, Jura has always been something I've been a bit, you know, like I happily drink it, uh, always happily drink it. But then to rave about it, Different story. I, I think Jura, yeah, Jura is one of those whiskies that probably come down to me as it's a whiskey that you want to drink with friends where you don't want to ever talk about whiskey. And I, I hope that doesn't come across as rude. You know, it, it to me, it's it's a let's play cards, let's watch football, let's, you know, let, let, let's just have a, a discussion where you, you pick up a glass and you drink it, but you, your concentration is never taken away from what you're doing. And which is fine in certain circumstances. Yeah, I, no, do you know what? I completely agree. Uh, I don't think there's anything rude about that at all. And I think, um, you know, obviously, I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier before we started, but there'll always, it'll always be someone's favourite whiskey and it will always be someone's least favourite whiskey. Um, so, yeah, I think that's absolutely um, on the money, to be honest with yeah. you. Um, I mean, I don't dislike it. I just don't love it. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. Um, how do you feel about moving on to the uh, the next one? We've got the Firkin 49, um, which is, uh, I don't know if you know much about these guys. No, I don't. Um, I mean, I must admit, you know, over the last probably two years, um, I've, I've probably really embarrassingly not been quite as involved with things because of, of doing sort of a lot of stuff on the side with the whiskey um, and, you know, getting that sort of things rolling. Um, so... Unfortunately, a lot of these newer companies and that I've not been able to keep up with. There's too much going on these days. Yeah, it's it's insane what's what's happening these days. And I, I mean, I love it. Um, like I was saying earlier about like Darth Mill. For for every Darth Mill release, there's um a new release that's readily available and easily to get uh, for for everybody. Um, and it might not be for everyone's taste, but we're we're not short of of bottles. That's for sure. You know, I'm I'm not in any danger of uh, running out of whiskey to review. That's for sure. No, that's it. I mean, I think I worked out a few a few weeks ago that if I had a dram every night, a full dram every night, I think I've got about 47 years worth of whiskey. 
that's no. amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm never going to worry about what's coming out anymore. No, that's it. I mean, I, I like, I've, I've always said to people, like, when people say, "Do you, do you need that many much whiskey?" and the answer is, of course, no. Um, and there's 100. percent There'll be bottles left over when I finally die. That's for sure. And somebody else will have to deal with those. Um, but I think that's most people that are going to be watching this and listening to this are going to be in the same boat. You know, I don't think anyone's going to be having less than five bottles on their shelves. And is that's it. I mean, you know, it, it's, I mean, that's part of the reason the collection is so big these days that I, I'm not a big drinker. Um, uh, you know, I mean, people think because you work within the industry and you, you're involved with whiskey in your blog and you talk about whiskey constantly that you must drink a lot and you don't get a collection if you drink a lot because you're always drinking it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I love watching people open new bottles. Um, but obviously the OCD part of me doesn't allow me to do that. I've got to drink a bottle before I can open a bottle and you just get too many bottles open. And then it, it, I refuse to open another bottle until I've drunk that bottle or a few bottles. And, you know, if you go into my other room, I think there's, there's something like 197 open bottles. And, you know, I, I can't open any more <laughs> until I've got some of them gone. Um, but you, you just, you know, because I don't drink a lot. And now that I'm having to research the whiskies that I'm promoting, you, you're getting more and more whiskies in that sense. So you can't keep on opening bottles of whiskey. Um, and obviously, over the last two years, because of COVID, we haven't had friends around to be able to share these whiskies. So, you know, that that's the downside of it, that there's a lot of whiskey who's waiting to be drunk by a lot of friends, but they're not allowed around. Absolutely. I mean, that's a good segue to the question I've got for this. Um, obviously, we heard about your origin story and now, and then you moved on to kind of blogging in about 2015. Um, what was the spark that made you decided to, to start the blog? And um, what made you settle on blogging over other social platforms? I mean, I guess it wasn't as prevalent in other platforms back then, but... It's quite a simple answer, actually. A dislocated shoulder. Um, as, as daft as it sounds, I, I was off work with a dislocated shoulder. I had, I think, about four weeks time off because I couldn't go back to work. Um, and at that point, I'd probably had about seven, seven or eight years of being serious about whiskey and never wrote a tasting note, never wrote the whiskies I'd tried, never... never logged anything um the the collection was starting to grow and it, it was a conversation with a friend uh, at a tasting um about two or three weeks earlier than the injury where we, we was talking about whiskies we tried and we were talking about rosebanks and uh port ellens and st magdalene's and things like that and it's like yeah i've tried that i've tried that i've tried that and then you suddenly think but I don't, I don't, you know, I, I can remember them, but I don't have any tasting notes or anything. So it, it was just a, a simple case of, well, if I start to write them in a journal, then that book might get lost. If I put it on the internet, then it's always there for me to go and find. Now, I never expected anybody to read it. It was never about that. And I mean, I'm not the most elegant person, you know, there's a lot of grammar mistakes and I understand that I'm, you know, um, I do have problems with things like that, but I write it for me. I don't necessarily write it for anybody else to read. If somebody comes across it and reads it and enjoys it, then, you know, that that's that's a miracle in a sense. But it, the, the blog was always started purely for me, only for me, as, as a way to put tasting notes somewhere that I could always go back to. And that was all it was ever meant to be. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's why, I mean, um, obviously we, we've known each other for a good number of years now and I've had the, the pleasure of meeting you face-to-face a couple of times. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on this because uh, of, of all the blogs that I read, it's like I, I can literally hear you speaking as I'm reading it. You know, it's it, it's how you speak and it's how you are and there's no there's no shine to that. And it's, you know, this is, this is a, a, a kind of boots-on-the-ground review almost, I guess, is the best way I could say it. And I, that's what I love about it. I mean, and, and that's, that's as daft as it is, that is exactly how I do write it. I, I literally talk to myself. And, you know, many people say it's a sign of madness. Well, it probably is. And I've been going mad for a long time. But um, 
I actually talk to myself as I'm writing it and I write it as I would talk. And, you know, sometimes I'll do it exuberantly. Sometimes it's just straightforward. And it's all about the mood that I'm in at that particular time. Um, and I, I do every now and again try and write it as though I am talking to somebody um, rather than it just being a written review. And, you know, I love reading people's reviews and I love different techniques in how they do it and you know it's it's and then i also it's like the youtubes you know with yourself and and roy that you've had on and scotch test dummies and people like that that i I enjoy them because you can do other things and listen to what they're saying rather than having to read it and and sit down and and do that because you know I, i i'm i am one of these people that i don't read books i don't read anything really i you know and for for me to expect somebody to come and read my blog is quite, you know, it's quite funny, really, because some, you know, people will say to me, well, what, what do you read? And it's like, well, actually nothing. Um, you know, I've got a book here and it's it's the running joke that I bought the Johnny Walker, uh, a long stride, and I've got to pay Jade. And I've got to pay Jade about 10 times now um, because I start it again and I start and I get to pay Jade and I stop. And then I suddenly realized there was actually two page eights. There's page eight of the first prologue or whatever you call it, and then page eight of the book. And I'm still on the beginning bit, so I haven't even started the book. Um, so, yeah, the, the blog was an accident that has kept running and running and running, but they do take over your life. Um, you know, anybody that thinks blogging is just easy is, is mistaken. Mm, yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I, when I was looking for my outlet for, for the Whiskey Passion, um, I considered writing a blog, but it, it takes so much effort um, to sort of um, convey my, my thoughts in a way that I thought, like well, like you said, like not that people would read, but that I would want to read back to myself. Um, and that's why I settled on YouTube, because it felt like a more, um, for, for me, it felt like something that I that I could do Um I used to write, this is years ago now, but I used to write uh, for video games um, and it was a full-time job almost, you know, on top of a full-time job that I was doing when I was actually earning money and I was expected to work for free for that. Um, and it was such hard work that I thought, no, I can't be doing that for whiskey. I'll try, I'll try video. So yeah, a massive, massive respect for, for, for bloggers who especially have been sticking around for years and years because it's, um, it's just as saturated as it ever was and same for YouTube now, I guess. You know, a lot of people have, have sort of said to me over the years, you know, they can understand why I don't really do YouTube because I've obviously got a face for blogging rather than YouTube. Um, and I totally agree with them. You know, it, 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 when you look at it, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I do the Whiskey Circus where we record and put it out. And for me, I do always feel very uncomfortable um, because I know, like you maybe notice now, I, I never look directly at the camera. So you're always looking around and, and, but that's the way I am in, in general. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think I could ever carry it off doing YouTube because I think it's a harder thing to sit and talk to yourself in the sense of, I mean, if you're doing live shows, then it's a bit different. But, you know, hats off to you guys who do YouTube because I think it's a lot harder than doing a blog, personally. Yeah, I think that's why why everyone does what they, what they do, I guess, because it's mm. whatever you find the best. I mean, I had to learn how to sort of, do sort of like screen presence and things like that. Um, but even now, I mean, I'm the, I'm the same as you. I'm like, I found myself, my eyes darting around the camera. I find it much easier when I'm doing a solo video to stare at a camera point. Whereas yeah. when I'm doing a, a chat, I want to look at you and you're up here on the screen, yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, not here, which is where I've just yeah. pointed at the camera, but never mind. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. Um, talking about the Firkin then, um, yeah. I, I don't know if you've had a sip of that yet, but, um, what do you think of this? This is a an in, it's an interesting one, that's for sure. I mean, this is this is certainly more of a type of whiskey that I would probably pick up. Um, you, you've got that nice little bit of spiciness in there. You've got that. You've you've got a lot more ABV in this, obviously. Well, I'm hoping you have because uh, my eyesight isn't what it used to be, neither. Um, Just a touch, yeah, forty-eight point nine. This, yeah. Is. Um, and it does drink that way. And then if I'm reading it right, it's a sherry casks. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it, there's a lot more going on in this. Um, if you sit down and, and put this against the juror, you know, the, the juror is not going to come into play with this one. And this is probably one of those whiskies where 
quite opposite to the juror. If somebody pause me this, I'm going to pause and think about it for a minute. It's going to stop me in my tracks. And it's, it's a totally different whiskey. Um, there's a lot more going on in that. There's a lot more complexity. There's a lot more of, of that. I, mean, I always try and say to, about whiskey that if it can manage to take you on a journey, then it's doing something right. And I, I won't say this is one of those, are you going to sit back and, and just float off into the, you know, the Neverland, but it, it's certainly something that's going to make you just sit and think about things a little bit more. Yeah, it's exactly what you're saying about the Jura. You know, there, there are whiskies that you want to, that you don't want to take your attention away from whatever you're doing, playing poker or whatever. And there are whiskies where you'd quite happily sit in a quiet room with no telly or nothing and just think about what you're drinking. Um, and, yeah, and this is definitely one of those, without a doubt. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the brand. Uh, I've been covering them a lot recently. I mean, this is like 69 quid versus the 65 of the Jura 18. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm controversial in this little bit. Um, Price doesn't mean much to me. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't mean that in a snobby type of way. I, But I, I, I try never to look at whiskey as how much it's cost me because I, I do believe for me, and this is just a personal thing, that if I like the whiskey, I'm going to pay for it. And if it's, if it's £20, if it's £50, if it's £100, if it's £200, if I can justify buying it, I will. Um, now, I know a lot of people look at whiskey and, and um, you know, they'll put a budget out there or they'll, they'll say, if it's more than this, it's got to be spectacular. Um, but I, I think you've got to look deeper into it and say, why is it dearer? What, 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 you know, what work has gone on? And until you kind of go into the industry a little bit, you don't always appreciate sometimes the cost of things. Uh, and especially with sort of independent bottlers and things like that, there are a lot more reasons for more expensive whiskey and you know if, if a whiskey is 70 pound but it's good i don't care um don't get me wrong you know it, it, it's I'm, I'm in a i'm in a luxury position maybe that um at my time of life i don't have to quite worry about the price of a whiskey if i want it i'm buying it if if i don't want it and i can't justify it i don't buy it it's as simple as that now um you know i my, my children are grown up um expenses are, are a little bit different to a younger guy like yourself sort of start starting out and you know yeah i mean 70 pounds 69 pound i think you said for that i'd pay that yeah no i think you're right you know i mean like like exactly like you said you know i've got a, i've got a young daughter she's um you know just over one years old and I, so when i buy a bottle it, I, i've got to know i've got to know it, i'm gonna like it i can't take a chance um and oftentimes especially with independent bottles by the time i get a sample to try it's already sold out, which is uh, the, the the big pain of it all. But um, yeah, left to my own devices, I'm qu- I'd quite happily sit in a kind of like a thirty five to fifty five uh, fifty five pound bracket. But just like you said, you know, if it's worth the money, I will pay it. Um, but yeah, I do I do have to consider it. But um, I I don't think it's um, lofty at all to suggest that that, that you're a different stage. I, I think you've got to also look at it a little bit on the reasons you're buying it. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people buy a whiskey to intentionally open it straight away and drink it there and then. And if that's the way you're doing it, then you're kind of looking at it and think, well, why do you need to spend £100 or £75 on a bottle of whiskey when there is bloody good whiskies out there for sub £50, you know, sub £30 with a lot of them? Um, you don't need to, to spend a lot of money because you're still getting good quality at a lower price. Um Somebody like myself who I will buy a bottle of whiskey and I'll buy it on the brand. You know, if, if it's Ockentosh and I don't know what it tastes like half the time and I probably never will with half of them. They're just bought and because I trust the brand. Um, things like Boutique, I, I, I buy through their bottles because I trust the brand. I trust the people that are picking the casks. And, you know, I mean, you pay a lot of money for these, for that privilege of trusting somebody. Um, but yeah, you know. Seventy pound for that, yeah. It'll do. It'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, let's uh, let's move on to the next one then. Um, We've got the fireball now. I know. um, Obviously, this has been mixed received. Uh, You said before that you you, you've intentionally not tried this yet. I've intentionally not tried it. I haven't looked it up. I don't know anything about it really. Um, 
I know when you sent it and I looked at it and I was like, right, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, and purposely stayed away from trying to look at anything so it didn't influence. But yeah, I can smell it already. <laughs> it's, it... I mean, it's not it's not a whiskey, really, is it? It's a it's a whiskey liqueur at best. Um, but it's a it's a cinnamon infused. Yeah, I'm going to say you can smell cinnamon, and I do like cinnamon, so we're not off to too bad a start. Well, there you go. I mean, for me, I mean, I I don't know why I picked this for this because I really hate cinnamon. So I think other people like it. But um, yeah, we're going sort of flip side this time. So if we want to, if you want to try it now, and then I'll ask my question for this dram. Medicine. Cough medicine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that lip smacking thing, isn't it? It's because it's so sugary that you kind of like. It's sweet that in it. Yeah. Mm. I mean. I could drink it. Um, it's not off-putting to me. There's there's a bit of heat. There's a bit of ginger heat there now. Um, I wouldn't want to drink too much. I don't think I'd buy it. Um, but that said, I wouldn't buy it because I know I wouldn't drink it for the simple reason it's not off-putting to me, but I would never find a situation where I'd want to drink it. Uh, other than, I mean, maybe Christmas, actually. You know, maybe if you sat down at Christmas and you wanted a little chaser or something, that, yeah, it might be perfect. Um, yeah, um, interesting, Vin. It's it's one of those things, isn't it, where, like, especially with someone like yourself who's got so much choice behind you, um, you know, you, you're, you're not going to reach for it. I mean, like, actually a bit of a joke for you that um, I... Uh, uh, it's been a while since I've recorded one of these. There's been a, a bit of a gap while I moved house and whatnot. Um, but I couldn't get the, the the cap off because the sugar had sort of welded the cap on. Um, and I, it just about half an hour before you came on, I had to sort of do it. You know, actually, I got my wife to do it in the end. She's got a bit much you know, better grip strength than I have, but um, I cracked my knuckles. But um, yeah, it's it's just one of those whiskies where, if you can call it that, that it's. I, I mean, I won't drink it once this season's over. I'll find it. I'll find a home for it. I'm sure. Um, but my question for you this time, Raoul, actually, you mentioned it earlier, the Whiskey Circus. Um, can we talk about it? Or is the first rule not to talk about it? Is it it's one, one of those things where I, like you don't really hear much about it, but it's there and people know about it. The Whiskey Circus was something that was purely set up at the beginning of, of COVID um, as just a group of, of whiskey people that, you know, for, for us to sit down and chat. Um, and it kind of grew a lot more. I wasn't expecting it. it to be honest with you, what, what was always the case was I always had this intention of setting up a podcast type thing where a sort of round the table thing where we could discuss whiskey and be honest about it and, you know, discuss what we say, what we wanted to say. And that was kind of why we set it up um, with three or four of us to start with and, sort of knocked some ideas around and I, I, I put a list of people together and then people started to ask if they could join and it kind of grew and grew and grew. Um, I think there's there are about 200 people within it now. Um, but obviously the, the whole idea was that we would get together on a Sunday and just discuss whiskey. And then because of the people that I knew within the industry that we would get someone to come and talk to us about their brands and, and sort of do it like that. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it grew to be kind of almost a family of people where it, it's, it's very vibrant behind the scenes. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of chat goes on within the um, direct message group and it, it's almost like those people that are involved with that side of it, they're very close, you know, it's a very tight knit community now. And uh, we've, we've bottled several bottles of, of several casks of whiskey um, for the group. And yeah, you know, hopefully one day we'll all get together, but it, it's, it literally is around the world. We've got, we've got Canadians, we've got Americans, we've got Germans, we've got um, Belgium, Ireland, Norway, obviously England, Wales, um, Every, the whole world is involved within the whiskey circus and you know yeah we, we we joke you know one or two people say what goes on stays in um but no i mean there's there's nothing like that we we, we do do um every now and again we do a, a friday night tavern where 
it literally we've tried to make it where it is like going to a pub we sit there we do drink we do get rowdy we do get noisy there are incidents there are people fall asleep there there are people i mean we've had people fall asleep in bathtubs we've had people just head hit the table and gone um and yeah that that's the whole point of it is that people are there to be themselves and you know we we've said all along if you don't like what somebody says it's tough you know it's that's the whole point of it we're not screening anything when we and like you you know when when we have put some of the um things out on youtube which you know do go under the ocd banner on youtube they are totally unedited anything that happens anything that goes wrong is on there so and believe me we we've we we did do one where we got um you probably want to edit this bit out but one of the ones where we did a tasting um i made the mistake of putting the link out live on twitter and we actually got some live porn um in in about two minutes into it we had to literally stop totally end the the, the broadcast and start it again um and totally unedited it. I mean, that was the only editing that ever went on. But yeah, it, it was a it was an eye opener that one. Um, but yeah, the, the whiskey circus. It was it was there for anybody to join. Um, you know, anybody's welcome. We we don't do so much now, but there is still that group of people that constantly talk every day. I mean, there's you know, you turn on and there's four or five hundred messages that you've got to read through every day. So it, it's it is hard work. But it's it's a it's a great set of people, absolutely fantastic. I'll probably like cause I know there's a Twitter feed at least where people can start their, their sort of looking at it. So I'll, I'll pop that in the show notes below. Um, how do you feel about moving on to the uh, the upper Feldy then? I mean, I, I believe is this the one that I've tried before? Oh no, it's release number two, so I haven't tried this other. Uh, yeah, no, you did try this one. Yeah, I sent you one and two. Um, so yeah, for yeah for people that don't know, um, uh, Soren was one of the people that I sent uh, my first two releases to. Um, and uh, it, it kindly agreed to review it. And honestly, and that was the whole point of me sending them across. There was no, um, could you say this about, well, but, you know, obviously that'd be ridiculous. Um, and you would have said no, I think, to anyone who said that to you. But um, if I remember rightly, um, the, 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 the Dalmore, you were like, I mean, you, you, you understood the reason why it existed, but it wasn't really for you. And this one was much more, because this is, you know, I think you said it was like 45 quid and you were well happy to have a single cask, have a Feldy for that. I mean, I do like Aberfeldy. It, it's certainly a, a distillery that is on my radar. And, you know, every time I go up to Scotland, we do go to the distillery. Um, I've got a nice little um, relationship with, with the distillery, um, not for freebies or anything like that, but, you know, to, to be able to go down and chat to them and talk about whiskey. And when 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 I saw that you'd got an Aberfeldy, it was like, yeah, I was quite intrigued with this because... You don't see a massive amount of Aberfeldy from independence. And it's nice when you do see them because, again, although I do think with the Aberfeldy, the core range is very drinkable, getting these single casks is, yeah, it's something a little bit more special, definitely. Mm, yeah, I mean, I was quite lucky to get hold of this. Um, it was, um, like, I, I don't know if you remember, but I, I um, picked it blind i didn't know what i was picking when i picked it i just really liked it and it just happened to be this so i was really lucky with that um but yeah yeah i'm really glad that you you enjoyed it on that but we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute once you've had a chance to to drink it um my question for this one this part was um obviously many people will know you from twitter uh you've got a, re- a reasonable presence on twitter although that's kind of like um not so heavy these days um but you're partial to a tweet tasting um you do quite a lot of tweet tastings don't you um, what would you say is the main draw for a tweet tasting and why do you enjoy them so much? I think this, this it's a twofold thing with, with the tweet tastings. One is I, I try to look at them now for distilleries that I, you know, that, that are putting something out that I haven't tasted. Um, and it, it's, it's a good way of, of trying something new. But I also, on the other hand, think... It, it's there's a downside to tweet tastings where they you know where they've got people like myself on and yourselves and the more experienced drinkers that a lot of the whiskies now would be better with people that are unknown 
to get them into those whiskies. But the problem with that is they haven't got the following to push those whiskies. And I think I do think that's the downside to, to the tweet tastings that there aren't necessarily enough people that are at the beginning of the journey. Um, I, I, you know, no distillery wants to push your whiskey where nobody's going to see what's been said, but they're also getting to people that are very critical about whiskey or can be very critical about whiskies. And if, if you're well down the journey of, of trying a whiskey, you're not necessarily going to appreciate going back to your roots to very, you know, to, to the core range or entry level or approachable whiskies, whatever we want to call them. Um, I think they're a great thing. And I do think, you know, obviously we're talking about Steve Rush and people like that who do these tastings, that they put an, an awful lot of work into them. And the downside to it sometimes is you get a lot of people going onto these tastings that <laughs> talk bullshit. You know, that the, the, their tasting notes are so ridiculous. And you can look at some of them and you, you can sit with Master of Malt open and, and they're literally typing what Master of Malt have said or what Whiskey Exchange have said or what's on the back of a bottle. And, you know, to me, if you can't be honest, don't go on them. Um, you know, and again, you know, th this is where, and I know one or two others are very similar to me, that if you don't like a whiskey, say so. You know, because you're not going to get chucked off it because you've been honest. The, the, you know, the, the companies um, that are doing this want your honesty. If everybody comes out and says, these whiskies are the best whiskies I've ever tasted, the company can't get better, uh, you know. And and if, if you if you feel like you've got to go on and say that it's fantastic to be able to keep doing them, then unfortunately, I think you're you're misled. Um, you know, Steve wants you to be honest. Um, I mean, I, I've said several times, or more than several times, that I don't like the whiskey, and I still get to do them. So you know. Just be honest. Um, that's that's the only downside I find to them. But yeah, I think they're a brilliant thing, um, and you know, long may they continue. And long may people, you know. And the other thing that I will say, uh, especially sort of in defence of people like Steve and anybody else, uh, Greg from Great Drams, he does them. Um, there's only a certain amount of spaces on these tastings, and if you get three, four hundred people applying. And it seems like it's the same people every time. Then, unfortunately, it's because there's so many people, and, and you know the distilleries will have a say in who's going on them as well. It's not just Steve or whoever is organising them, um, and they've got to make sure it's in their interest as much as it is on the other side. So, you know, anybody that does go for them, don't get disheartened if you don't get picked. You just got to keep trying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm, it's been a while since I've done a proper tweet tasting, to be fair, because I don't find myself, um, if I'm if I'm in front of the computer at this time of night, it's because I'm working on my own things rather than that. Um, but I did I did a lot of them at the start of my journey before I uh, did YouTube and things like that, because I was learning and it seemed like a really good way to try new things for free, essentially. Although I say for free, but it, it really is kind of two hours of work at times. Um, you know, it's not it's not easy to sit there and do it properly let's say you know if you're just copying and pasting obviously it's easy but if you're doing it properly tasting it and telling people what you think but it's a good thing you said there about um about telling people that you don't like it but there's a, there's a really good way of doing that without being rude necessarily or or confrontational you can just say i don't like this and that's fine you know everybody that goes on there it, it's interesting because i can sit there and watch a few people that go on them and know that their noses or their their palates are you know, they're at the beginning of the journey and then they go on a tweet taste and all of a sudden they're master blenders. Um, and you just, think, you just think to yourself, look, just be honest. I mean, it, it, it's the same as me. A lot of people will say to me that, you know, I don't have a massive array of tasting notes, but a lot of, that's because I'm honest. You know, if I, if I haven't tasted something, I can't say it tastes like that. If I haven't smelled something, I can't say it tastes like that. Uh, and, I can only go on the notes and, and the memories and, and the, the thoughts that I know. Um, and, you know, people, you, you see people that are, are struggling and, but yet they're putting out these fantastic tasting notes. And you, you know, you just, you just, you kind of get to a point where you just think, I don't want to be involved with this anymore because 
people aren't being honest with it. Yeah, no, I, I completely get it. I completely get it. It's uh, it's one of those things where it's just like everything is there's a there's a there's a benefit to it and a darker side, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good that you were having a sip there. I mean, obviously, I know we've talked a little bit about this and you've reviewed it. So if anyone wants to see the the Sorens review of this, I'll put it in the show notes. But um, what do you think of this one? Then it's a bit higher than UV. No, I like this one. I mean, this is one again. You know, it's a bit like the Firkin where you pour this and. Yeah, it, it, it can stop you in your tracks. And I mean, the nice thing, which I think, you know, I've got to commend you on is a six-year-old whiskey. And, you you know, you've put the age on there, but it doesn't taste like a six-year-old whiskey, this. Um, you know, it, don't get me wrong, it's not it's not a 40-year-old whiskey, but it, it's age should never matter. Um, you know, it, it's if it's ready, it's ready. And this was ready when you bottled this. You know, you, you've picked a bloody good whiskey with this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, n- uh, not putting the um, age statement on was was was, uh, was never a thing for me at all. Um, it, like, if this would have been three years, I'd I'd have gladly stated it gladly. Um, but it is a tough one to pick something. Um, I mean, as you know, you have, you're, you're involved with the whiskey circus um, bottling, so you know it's hard to pick pick bottles because there's going to be people that hate it. Um, you know, and I had my fair share of negative criticism as well as lo- lots of positives, especially on the Dalmore, um, the first release that got. Um, a, a lot more negatives than the fir- than the second one did. Um, thankfully, I've done I've done a third one now, but um, I've, I've done a McMira, but um, that's that's been received very well, actually, very well. But it's um it's very tough, very tough to pick bottles, especially when you're on your own and you're not you haven't got like a little committee to to help you out with. No, well, that's it. Um, you know, I mean, I've picked I think three or four of ours now, and you you. you you go into it and as soon as you kind of almost know straight away when you taste it, it's like, this is the one. The, out, out of four or five samples, this is the one. But then you question yourself and you're like, oh, but will everybody else like it or is it just for me? And the last one that we did for the Whiskey Circus, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, as soon as I brought it to the nose, there, there, was no, there was nothing else in contention. It was, this is it. This is the one. And it's, but it's so, it was such a beast. I, I, I was worried that people wouldn't get what I was getting in it. And um, to be to be honest with you, there's, it, 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 I haven't had a lot of feedback off it yet because everybody's bought it and nobody's opened it yet, which is quite worrying. Isn't it? Uh, but um, the last festival I was at, which was Kendall, um, I did take a... Um, a bottle of it and poured it to a lot of people and everybody was like, wow, this is really good. Uh, so I, I was, I was quite relieved, but yeah. Um, it's scary picking it for other people. Definitely. Um, well, earlier on you said that you're not like a huge fan of peated whiskey. Our, our next two are Pete. So um, we'll see how you get on with them. Um, if you're ready to move on to the, uh, the McMira, uh, I don't know if you've tried this one before the Svenska. Um, are we on the rock? Sorry, uh, Svenska Rock. Yeah, you're quite right. I, I had Eck in my head for some reason. I don't know why. I was going to say I was I was a bit worried then, but uh, yeah, I think I think I have reviewed this. Um, I think this is one of the very few McMyras that I have reviewed. But I always find McMyra very interesting. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and, and that's why my third release was one of theirs because um, they've got this kind of underlying flavour that kind of goes through the entire range. And they do this kind of weird cask influence differences on top that um, that, that change the liquid. I, I mean, I love this stuff. Uh, not to not to lead anybody at all, but I love this stuff. Um, just um, a really nice intro to to smoke. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, with McMyra, I mean, they've done a few obviously unpeated versions which I've absolutely raved about. Um, and I know we bottled a McMyra for the Whiskey Circus. Uh, well, we bottled two because the first one disappeared. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this, as a peated whiskey, it's it's so unoffensive. That that's and it's very clean. Um, you know, it, it's not overpowering. Um, I, I think the beauty of the McMyras and and a lot of other peated whiskies is. When you come away from Isla, and I'm, I'm not disrespecting Isla because I know it has its many fans. I'm not one of them. I, I feel you go into more mainland peat and things like this where it's a different style of peat. 
it still allows the whiskey to talk. It's not about the the peat or the medicinal or the smoke. It's all the all the softer flavors still manage to come through. And Myra absolutely hit the nail on the head when they do it because it's not about the peat. It's about the whiskey, and the peat is an additional flavor to it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, completely agree. And it's um, yeah, really nice dram, really nice dram. Um, we're at this point now. I wanted to ask you um about your sort of festivals. Obviously, you've done you did the blogging, and then you've done you've done some seriously hard yards at the festivals uh, for different brands across your time. Um, how did you feel about um the the kind of dabbling in it uh, and the transition from being a punter from one side of the table to the other? Um, I, obviously, I've done it a couple of times, and it's 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 good fun. Um, I, and I've done it maybe once or twice, but to do it as regularly as you have, um, how did you find that sort of going for you? I, I think it was quite an easy transition, to be honest with you. For me, um, you know, I mean, the the first festival I worked with was with Shilton uh, for Paul John, and you know, you, you can't kind of get a better start to, to doing whiskey than working with Shilton. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it, it's just one of those things. And I don't know. I don't know why it intrigued me so much. I think it's the being able to talk about whiskey to somebody who's not going to run away from you because the board, the board, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, shitless, sorry. Uh, the board shitless because you're talking about whiskey. They're there to listen to somebody, and you know I I can sit and talk about whiskey for far too long. Um, and you know the, the it was never an intention to get into the industry. Um, it, it was never about becoming a brand ambassador necessarily. It was never about having a full time job within the whiskey industry. It was just a passion. It was just me wanting to stand there and talk about whiskey and talk about a whiskey that I appreciated. That was the difference that um, it, it was, it was never about just working behind the stand. It was about being behind the stand and trying to, I suppose, influence people to, to see what you were seeing. And it, it's very hard, you know, the life of an ambassador at a festival is not easy. It's not glamorous. It's, you know, people see you that you stood there and you might have an odd drink and, you know, you, you share stories with other ambassadors and you, and it's a very close-knit community. But when you've been standing on your feet for eight, nine hours of a festival, plus the hour before it, plus the hour in between it, plus an hour at the end of it, and then drive home two or three hours, it, it's it's a damn long day and it's hard work. And a lot of these ambassadors are well underpaid. Some of them are, obviously, but, uh, you know, for what they have to do, it's hard work. But they all do it because they love doing it. That's the point of it. You know, it, it's it's not necessarily just a job to them. It, it's a way of life. And whiskey is a way of life. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like I said, I've done a, I've done a couple of stints. Um, usually I cover a lunchtime or something like that. You know, I've never done anything too serious and I've always really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think the best one I did was Whiskey Bristol where I, I worked with the dram team. And really that was just, um, I mean, we had, well, there was like four of us behind the stand. It was not, it wasn't hard work. And like you said, it was literally just punter after punter and just talking to them about whiskey. You know, we, we weren't even pushing any brands in particular. So I didn't even need to give any information about the whiskeys. It was just like, here, drink this, here, drink this. And the day flew by, but yeah, I was I was very tired after that. Yeah, Bristol's a long way from me. Yeah, I mean, I did Bristol um, several years ago and literally set off at, I think, about three o'clock in the morning to drive down. And I got back home at three o'clock the next morning. So it was literally a 24-hour stint. But um, yeah, it, it's hard work. And I mean, where you say there, you know, that you there were three or four of you. I mean, often I work on my own. And so do a lot of other brands. And, you know, when, when you're on your own, it's it's a hard session. Um, but, you know, the, the adrenaline and, and the talking about whiskey gets you through it. It's not until you get to that last half hour and you look at your clock and you think, there's half hour to go. And then all of a sudden you just go, whoom, straight, you know, it, it does start to, to die at the very end. But, um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't give it up. Um, and that's that's what's been the hardest about the last two years with COVID is 
not having the festivals to look forward to. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting as well. Um, I, I like that. I like that. Um, well, let's move on to the last one then today, which is the uh, the Glasgow 1770 P-tiered again. Um, hopefully you'll find something interesting in this one as well. I mean, I'm not one for ever talking about colour, but the colour on this, it, I mean, I'm presuming, I'm pretty sure these guys are all natural colour. So, I mean, the colour is, you know, it does draw you in. Absolutely. I mean, it's, um, it's astounding, really, because they're, they're only, well, I mean, it can't be more than sort of four or five years old, the liquid in this tops. Um, and for it to be that colour is just crazy, crazy. What casks is this? Because, like I say, my... It's a, so it's a, it's a virgin oak and then finished in PX. I think the thing with this is it, it's the PX that's probably giving it the colour and... You know, as we all know, with PX, it doesn't sink too far into the wood, so it doesn't need a lot of work to get the colour and the flavours back out of the wood. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I have had a couple of 1770s from Glasgow, and again, you can't fault it, you know. Um, I, I think the quality of whiskey these days is, it, it's certainly getting better, and I, I think where we had that, discussion with a lot of people was it about four or five years ago about the no age statement versus age statements um and you know there, there were too many distilleries putting young whiskey out that wasn't ready or charging too much i think the, the the good thing that came out of all that was it showed whiskey can be young and still be very good um you know, I mean, we, we've got one or two distilleries out there. You know, you, I mean, Daft Mill's a little bit different because they waited till there was, was it 10, 11 years old before they posted anything out? Um, but, you know, you look at some of the English ones, Cotswolds, which I know you're a, quite a fan of, um, Bimba, you know, they, they're putting some absolutely stunning young whiskies out. Um, some of ours, you know, a lot of ours is around that five, six-year-old mark. It's not old whiskies. Um Although we do have the oldest English whiskies, but you'll probably cut that bit out. But um, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean you know, young whiskey. Th there's nothing to be ashamed of it, and a lot of it is bloody good. And you know, if 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 you put this in front of somebody and said, "What age would you say it is?" Nobody's going to guess it's young. I think that's why, uh, I mean, I've always, to get a bit self-inflated now, but I've always find that's why outlets like me and yourself are, are important in this day and age is that we can, we, you know, we've, we've been able to cut through that, that period of time when, I mean, I, I pick on this one a lot and I shouldn't do, but the Glenlivet Founders Reserve is a great example of that when they released, in, in my opinion, a subpar whiskey for the same price as the 12 that they just axed. Um, and it was it was a, a bitter time in my life because I really like I really enjoyed the twelve and then they replaced it with you know it's, it's drinkable and I and I'll admit that but directly after the one that I loved they replaced it with that um, but we were able to uh, you know obviously it still exists but we we're able to sort of cut through that and tell people I mean the the interesting thing with the Glenlivet um, I, I bought one of the first bottles out of it um, that was literally. I, if I remember rightly with that one, there, there was like an invitation to buy one of the first 200 bottles off the line. And I managed to get one and um, and then a couple of others from the very first release of it. And I, I actually quite liked it. I thought it was pretty damn good uh, for what it was. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, the 12 was absolutely superb when it was being discontinued. I managed to buy, a, a you know, a, a nice number of them at a very good price. But then I remember talking, you know, and seeing a lot of other people reviewing it and sort of slating it quite badly. And I, I kept going back to mine thinking, I don't get what you're talking about. I honestly don't get what you're talking about. And it wasn't until Craig, um, a good friend from down the road who works for Myra, he came along with his bottle and we tried them side by and it was different whiskey. And he bought one of the sort of maybe a year or 18 months further down the line than mine. And I tried his bottle and he tried mine and we were both just sat there saying, this isn't the same. It's not the same whiskey. This this is, and we understood then that this is why we were getting so many mixed reviews of people were saying they loved it and people were saying they hated it, that there was a, there was a and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, oh, this is different. It was a, no, there's definitely differences between these whiskies. And 
Um, yeah, you know, it, it did show up that why is this whiskey more expensive than the 12-year-old when it's not as good as the 12-year-old? Um, but, you know, that, that was the point of it, that distilleries were going, always going to do that. But then you, you come forward and we talk about whiskeys being three and four years old. And, you know, we look at things like Cotswold, we look at things like Bimbo, we look at things like Waterford, and we look at others that are three-year-old. And you've got a, an, an age ranging from, say, £40 to £200. Now, how can you justify paying £200 for a three-year-old whiskey? Um, the simple answer is some people can, and you know I I have. Um, but there, there's obviously a backstory; they're not producing much. But then you get a distillery that's maybe producing two million liters, and they're charging two hundred pound for a three-year-old whiskey. No, you're robbing people. You know, you you are you are not being honest to people. That you, you're taking the piss. But you go to something like Bimba for argument's sake that were putting a three-year-old, four-year-old whiskey out for £75. You know, and that whiskey was absolutely fantastic. It was superb whiskey. And, you know, Cotswolds, again, it's not a distillery that I've maybe tried much of, but everything I have tried has been good and it's very reasonable priced. And you think, this is the price range. But then, you know, I've sat and talked to people where you, you're saying, oh, it's £150 for a three-year-old whiskey. Well, it's about the going rate. Well, hang on a minute. Doesn't make it right, you know. It, it's it's damn it's it, it's thievery. Um, but what do you do? Um, you know, if if it's three years old, and it's good whiskey, and it's marketed right, and it's priced right, right. That's there's not a problem. But don't rip your customers off neither. There's definitely people like you know on on the right side of that and the wrong side of that, and we could probably talk about that for like an entire episode of this. I think about um, like. Uh, who was doing it right and who was doing it wrong. But that kind of like, again, solidifies my point that, that like as much as some people sort of love what we do and, and, and hate what we do, that I, I think that's why we we're important and people do like what we do because we'll, we'll tell you, we'll tell you, you know, that like, yeah, I, I paid 200 pound for this and I absolutely do not recommend that you do, or I paid 20 quid for this and you should absolutely find it right now because it's for 20 quid. It's a steal. Um, and it's the spectrum of things, isn't it? You know, it's it's good at both ends of the of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we've you know we've sat there, and I think we've we've tended to agree with a lot of whiskies when I've watched what you've said and, and I've written stuff, and they've been very similar. Um, you know, I mean, I know we've sometimes disagreed on price ranges and things like that because you know I know you do some, you know, you you probably look at price a lot more than I do, and I you know I, that's fully understandable because you're coming from a different angle than me. And to me, you know, if, if it's not about saying to somebody, go and buy this, it's about saying, you know, the way I try to do it is, look, yo, this, this is something I'm going to buy and I'm going to put my money towards it. And if I'm going to put my money towards it, somebody else out there is going to put their money towards it. And that, that's as far, you know, I don't want to, you know, you, and you'll know as well as I do that you'll get people coming up to you saying, can you recommend me a whiskey? It's very hard to do that because you can only recommend what you've enjoyed yourself unless you know exactly what their, what their palates are. And unless, you know, if somebody agrees with you and they say that whiskey you recommended was fantastic and you go along and you go along and you know that you've got a, a pretty similar palate. Um, but yeah, uh, whiskey's an opinion and we've all got them. I think, yeah, I think some people forget that sometimes, don't they? When it's um, like that, that literally is it. You know, we're 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 sort of people on our own putting our opinions out there, and it's fair enough if you disagree. I love that because um, I you know, let's talk about it. But some people get really angry about it, don't they? And we're just talking about a liquid in a bottle. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, we we had um, a chap at the last festival at Kendall and. We, we, we were agreeing and you know it's like yeah whiskey you know and, and he says well how do you drink it and I it's like well I drink it straight as it comes out the bottle basically it's very rare I'll personally I'll mix water but I always say to people look try it try it with water try it with more water try it with whatever you want but find a way that you enjoy drinking it because but then he turned on to me and said no 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 if you come to my house you drink it how I tell you and I'm like <laughs> 
Well, I can understand that to a point, you know, that, yeah, you, you know, if, if you want me to add some water, then I'll add some water because you're telling me that it might taste better. But then I want to drink it the way I want to drink it. And it's not. If you come to my house, you drink it exactly how I tell you. I said, does many people come to your house? Well, actually, no. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, well, that's going to be why then, you know. You know, and my, my argument has always been, once the whiskey becomes yours, nobody should ever tell you how to drink it. Nobody should ever tell you that you're wrong. You're never wrong with what you do with it and how you drink it. Full stop. There's, there's no argument to that. You can't come back to me and tell me, no, no, you should, no, you do what you want with it. No, do you know what? I completely, I completely agree. And like you said earlier, we often do. Um, my, a good example of that, I, I recently reviewed the um, uh, Smokehead High Voltage, um, which is um, bottled at 58%. It isn't cast strength. It's an important, um, important distinction to make. And I reviewed it at 58%. And I said, I think this is too, too hot. And it, it, you know, it, it probably should have been less. And the, in the comments, it was like, if you think that, maybe you should add water to it. And I was trying to remind these people that I review it. I re- when I review bottles, my personal choice is that I review it as it's been presented to me by a, an industry professional. They've made this and they've said, this is what we like it at. And even more so with that high voltage, they've reduced it to 58% for a reason. And I think they should have gone lower. But, and I've just reminded people, that's my opinion. Um, if you love it, that's great. But I don't add water to whiskey because every single whiskey that you've that's in a bottle has been put in at the ABV at the desire of the producer. I mean, sometimes it's it's done for a sales point of view. Um, but no, I, I can't disagree with you on a bit on that because, you know, where, where, you know, some people will drink it with water, some people won't. And so for me, you you need to review the whiskey. You either do it one or two ways. You review it as it comes and then add water and do a separate review. Or you review it as it comes and leave it to somebody else to, to find those notes. Now, you know, a, a good story that I will always tell somebody that when I was working with um, Paul John at uh, a festival in York, a lady was with her husband and she didn't drink whiskey. She didn't like whiskey. And, you know, my job there was to try and find something for her to drink that she wasn't going to dislike. And I remember Shilton saying to, you know, to us that try edited, which was a peated whiskey, but with ginger ale. And that's what it stuck in my head. And I just said to this lady, I said, look, you know, can I try something? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I got her some Paul John edited and I put some ginger ale in it and she, tr- she tried it and it was like, Oh wow. I like this. And it was Fentiman's st- stall at the side of me. So it was their ginger ale. And she went up to him and she says, can I have a couple of bottles of ginger ale? And he went, yeah, of course you can. Gave her a couple of, and she went around every single stall trying every whiskey that she tried with ginger ale. And some of them were black tokens, you know, 10 pound a dram things. And you could see the horror on some of the other ambassadors' faces because I'm going back a few years now where it maybe wasn't quite a drink-it-how-you-want type scenario. But the thing was, at the end of that show, she'd bought two bottles of whiskey. Now, she would never have bought two bottles of whiskey if she didn't find a way of enjoying the whiskey. So, you know, we come back to it. Drink it how you want. Yeah, 100%. And I think, yeah, anyone who tells you any different... Um, kind of like at that point, I would always suggest to stop talking to that person. Um, you know, like if if they're if they're a professional or an ambassador or a, a shop owner, just go. Yep, yeah, okay, fair enough. Just wind the conversation down and just move on. Yeah, you're never going to win. I mean, you know, what one of our members of on the whiskey circus was lambasted by a professional for swirling the whiskey in his glass. Now, you know, who are you to tell anybody? not to do that you know if, if that's how they prefer to drink a whiskey then that's how they prefer to drink a whiskey you know you should you, you to me you, you just don't tell somebody that they're doing something wrong you can advise you can you can give them a reason not to do it and say look you know if you swirl your glass this is what's going to happen and let them make their own mind you don't just go to them and say oh you, you shouldn't be doing that um you know it, it's again you know Whiskey's not something, although we're all very serious about whiskey, it's a drink and it's a social drink. And it's about, whiskey's always enjoyed more when you're with a group of people. And, you know, when you're sharing whiskeys and things like that, it's always more enjoyable. 
Um, don't get me wrong, you know, there's, there's tight buggers like me that doesn't like sharing too much. But, um, you know, you do get more enjoyment from sharing whiskies and talking to people that like whiskey. And if, if you're in a mind of upsetting other people, you suddenly become very lonely and whiskey doesn't mean as much. And whiskey was always created to be drunk by people in a social gathering. That's it. Um, I think that's probably a good uh, good time to get to kind of really ask you my last question, which isn't really a question. It's more like it's at the end of the show. I like to give you a bit of a sort of airtime to let us know what's going on. Um, I was meant to ask you about you being a brand ambassador, but we've covered it a little bit throughout the conversation. Um, but yeah, like what's going on uh, with with Sorum right now? What's the future hold for you? Um, so hopefully the future is a lot more festivals that's starting to open up. Um, working with the English, which was a very proud point, you know, to be to, to come to an English whiskey distillery to prove the English can make whiskey, um, which is obviously laughed at by a lot of people. And, you know, to, to, to be in a very exciting place at the beginning, even though, you know, I mean, we are actually, as an English whiskey distillery, we are 15 years old now. And, you know, people don't realize that English whiskey has been around for 15 years, slightly longer if you want to go to the very first distillery that our very first place that brought out whiskey but english whiskey is a very exciting place you know it, it's it's the beginning of a, of a long long journey and hopefully for myself that that journey is going to continue for quite some time now you know i'm working with a fantastic team um very supportive and bringing out some fantastic whiskies so 2022 is hopefully a lot more distill a lot more festivals uh, a lot more tastings a lot more boring the socks off people talking about whiskey and you know unfortunately for a lot of people looking at this ugly mug pouring them whiskey which i think the fact that i'm pouring them whiskey makes them put up with me a little bit more but yeah you know obviously looking forward to 2022 um the day job which is farming is very busy um my, I've got a little grandson now and actually expecting, my daughter's expecting the second child as well. So, you know, it's another excuse to buy lots more whiskey. Um, you know, it's, it's always bought with the um, promise that it will be for him one day. Um, I've, got to, I've got to learn what that promise means at some point. But uh, yeah, 2022, I'm looking forward to it. Um, looking forward to sharing a lot more drums with a lot more people this year. So... That's as much as I can say, you know, I'm excited about 2022, um, which is something we haven't said for a few years now. Uh, absolutely. And I'll I'll drink to that. Um, and I'll say cheers for coming on, Soren. Um, really like your stuff. Always been a fan. And um, hopefully I'll see you this year. Yeah, hopefully somewhere along the lines we'll, we'll bump into each other. Cheers. Nice one. Cheers.